Excuse me, let's uh, stay in Colossians 2 together. We're in this series as a church in the book of Colossians. We've just started back up again, uh, thinking about what it tells us about what it means to belong to Jesus and to one another as a church. And uh, after this amazing picture of who Jesus is and what he has done for us in chapter 1, last week we got to uh, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, where Mike helpfully gave us this picture of a Moreton Bay fig tree, kind of talking about that's what we want to be as Christians and as a church, a living, thriving uh, organism, like a tree that is planted by streams of water with deep and extensive root systems for health and vitality that leads to fruitfulness and thriving and growth and longevity and uh, we've already prayed those things tonight for three of our family members haven't we that they might continue to the very end that they might have longevity not just for a while not just for a few decades but to the very end in order that they might enjoy Jesus in the the perfection of his future forever and that's what we desire for everyone who's part of the All Saints family and everyone in the world, really. And so as we're exploring these next bits of Colossians, the picture we have in our mind is that we want to be like those Moreton Bay fig trees. And we don't want to take for granted the kind of growth and fruitfulness and thriving that the Christian life contains. I was walking uh, during the week down by the bay with my mother-in-law and sister-in-law from the US and walking past all those Moreton Bay fig trees that we just walk past all the time and they stopped. Look at that. Struck by their vastness, their fruitfulness, their beauty, their strength. The problem in the Christian life is when you take for granted that fruitfulness, that strength, that thriving, you can start to think you need to look somewhere else to find the secret to kind of keep you going, to add to that fruitfulness, to make you um, uh, more fruitful, to make you last longer in the Christian life, to make you keep going, to unlock the secret to the next level. There has to be something more you can be tempted to think. And the challenge for you and me tonight, and as it was last week, is that just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. There is nothing bigger. There is nothing better. There is nothing to move beyond to than the Lord Jesus. And so the key to the Christian life isn't to unlock the next level or to find the new secret or the the magic formula that unlocks your fruitfulness and your longevity as a Christian to the very end, but to grow in him, to grow in Jesus, to not have something in addition to Jesus. There's not more than Jesus, but more of Jesus is the key to fruitfulness and thriving and longevity and health and strength. Which is most important, isn't it, when 
the storms of life come. That you might have those deep root systems, that sturdiness and strength, so that when the winds of suffering, boredom, disappointment, failure, when those storms arise, and hot tip, spoiler alert, they'll arise, when they do, what is it that will enable you to keep going and not be like our friend the tumbleweed with no root system, with no strength, with no fruitfulness that just gets blown along every which way any time the wind picks up. The key is not more than Jesus but more of Jesus to keep living in him with your roots deep in his word, to be built up in him, strengthened in the faith just as you were taught, not some secret extra thing, but in the faith as you were taught, the faith that we've professed, the faith that these guys have confessed and overflowing with thankfulness. But the Christian life is a long time. It's generally not days and weeks, it's years and decades. And we can lose sight of what we've been given in Jesus and we can go through seasons where we start to think, is there something more? Am I missing out? What else can there be? And the warning for us tonight is the same warning that Paul gave this little church in Colossae a few thousand years ago. To not be kidnapped and taken away from Jesus because you have already have fullness in him and don't be condemned by falling back to your own man-made religion because you've already been given freedom in Christ. Fullness and freedom is the possession of every Christian who's trusting in Jesus. So don't be kidnapped and taken away and don't be condemned in your Christian life. That's the warning that Paul gives to us tonight. Let's have a look first. Don't be kidnapped, verse 8. Pick it up there with me. Where he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. See to it that no one kidnaps you and takes you away from Jesus through hollow, there's no root system, there's nothing substantial or deep, and through deceptive, it's dangerous, isn't it? Deceptive philosophy that might have the ring of truth to it, that might sound impressive, that might use the right lingo, but is pulling you away to depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Jesus and what he has done. And so Paul's warning is to look out for these false teachers who come into the church with this kind of hollow and deceptive teaching, who generally don't wear kind of trench coats and black hats. 
They generally come with credentials. They may even come with a PhD and a book. They might look impressive. They might have the appearance of godliness. They might have clever catchphrases. They might tweak your emotions with some kind of really cool TikTok video that makes you think, oh yeah, I want some of that. They might play on your emotions and your lived experience to say, haven't you lived that experience? Well, then you should trust in that experience. You should follow those feelings and those desires. And all of a sudden, as he says in verse 19, they have lost connection from Jesus. They've cut you off from the one who gives life and fullness and everything and the one who gives growth and the one who knits you together with health and vitality forever, they've cut you off. For the Colossian church, it was these people coming in, luring them away from their allegiance to Jesus with talk about the spiritual forces that are at work in the world, real spiritual forces, and saying this is how you can harness your power to defeat them, to keep them under control or to appease them. That might not be our problem. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not our problem. But people coming in and saying to you, trust your experience that your lived experience is the ultimate authority, that the desires and the feelings that you have within you is the real truth and the real fullness, and follow that. Make sure you let Jesus submit to your experience and your feelings. And friends, at that point, you're being cut off from the head. To mix our metaphors, you're, you've been cut off from the roots the source of life and growth and health. Jesus doesn't submit to your experience and your feelings. You need to submit your feelings. You need to submit your experience to his authority. You don't mould and shape him to fit you. He moulds and shapes you that you might be more like him. Don't be kidnapped and lured away from the Lord Jesus with promises of fullness, with promises that cannot be delivered on because they are not connected to the head of fullness and fruitfulness and longevity, the one who gives the growth, the one who gives life, the one who is himself the fullness of God. Have a look at verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Jesus himself 
can give the fullness of life because Jesus himself is the fullness of life. The fullness of life that God made you for, that God wants to give you, is something that you don't attain by some clever technique or some daily habit or some religious practice. The fullness of life that you were made for and that God wants to give you, it is something that you do not achieve, it is something that you receive through faith in the Lord Jesus. In Christ you have been brought to fullness of life, being united to him, connected to him through faith. And because he's already given you that fullness, because you're already overflowing with all that God has for you, the key is to not look for something more, something better, something different, but to know and enjoy and to live out what you've already been given. To be strengthened in it, to know it more and more, to overflow with thankfulness for it as you trust him every day. And one of the reasons that this is so hard is because it's trusting him every day. Day after day and moment after moment. And it's because your feelings and your lived experience are significant. They're no small thing. And the challenge is to keep bringing them back to Jesus and submitting them to him, knowing that he has done everything that you need. There's nothing more for you to unlock. There's nothing more for you to take care of. There's nothing more that you need to achieve. I had a devastating conversation today with someone in desperate need who is not a young person and who isn't long for this world and I said what is stopping you from trusting Jesus now he said I need to get myself right first don't need to get yourself right first before you trust in Jesus. You trust in Jesus knowing that he's already made everything right. In his death on the cross, when you were dead, have a look at verse somebody help me 13 When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written charge of legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Everything. When you were dead, he made you alive. 
When you were dead in your sin, he took those sins and he forgave them. When you were crushed by the legal indebtedness of every time that you had thought or said or done the wrong thing, he took that legal indebtedness, the debt you could never pay, and he nailed it to the cross and said, we've already sung, it is finished. And so you no longer stand condemned because of your failure and your sin. You no longer stand condemned because of the way in which you've fallen short of God's glory. The guilt and the shame, it's been nailed to the cross. He has taken every power and authority and he has defeated them so that there is nothing standing between you and an eternal relationship with your heavenly father he has done everything to give you that fullness and that freedom and so the challenge as you keep walking the christian life every day as christ's faithful soldier and servant is to keep your eyes fixed on him Pray and cry out for and seek not some silver bullet that will all of a sudden see the end of sin in your life forever. That will make you perfect before heaven. Not some technique that will mean the disappointment and the depression will instantly disappear. But to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and to know there's nothing more that you need to do except to continue trusting in him each day. He does not condemn you. He died for you. So finally, don't be condemned by other people's judgments of you, by false humility, by the shadows of religious festivals and rituals. Pick it up with me at verse 16. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they've seen, their lived experience. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Friends, the Bible calls for growth that only God can give. And the false zeal of experience and feelings will only lead, as one writer has said, to much spiritual misery as it denies what God has not denied 
as it commands what God has not commanded, as it promises what God has not promised. But what the Bible does say is that growth and that fruitfulness and those deep roots and that lasting to the end will come through much toil, through much tears, through much weakness, through much patience, through much thankfulness, as you trust in what God has promised and the completed work of Jesus' cross and his empty tomb. There's no shortcut, Ben, Ollie, Hannah. Your baptism tonight hasn't given you a silver bullet. It hasn't taken you to the next level. It hasn't given you a shortcut to avoid the suffering and toil and tears of this life. But we have prayed for strength and patience and the gift of God's wonderful spirit who will continue to remind you that Jesus has paid it all. So all to him you owe. As we think about these big truths, we've been asking the questions of what it means for us to then belong to Jesus and to one another. And what that looks like for us as a church here at All Saints and how it shapes church life. And hopefully what it means is that you won't think that coming to All Saints and belonging here means tapping into some secret knowledge or secret technique or next level Christianity. But you will know that it means lots of Jesus and lots of Bible as we muddle along together. As we've been talking about who we want to be as a church, our parish council was reflecting on this statement that you'll see on the screen. Sorry, you missed my Faulty Towers illustration. You'll have to ask me about that later. (laughs) That to belong here at All Saints means that we want to be a cross-generational missionary family who are being prayerfully filled with Jesus' joy and peace in and through a chaotic web of discipling relationships. It's going to look messy. It's going to look weak. It's going to look slow. And it will be filled with joy inexpressible along the way. And two two of the values I think that we've got from Colossians 1 and 2 so far two values that motivate and mobilise and energise us as a church. It's not rocket science. It's love for Jesus. And it's love for God's word. And if he, the head, from whom everything grows, if he can instil in us by his word and spirit a love for him and a love for his word, then our roots will go deep and our fruit will be beautiful and our enjoyment of Jesus 
will be forever. I'm going to pray that he might do that. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much that Jesus has done everything that we need on the cross, taking all our sin, all our failure, all our guilt, and he's dealt with it, defeating every power that stands against us and keeps us from knowing and enjoying you with fruitfulness and longevity, with thriving and thankfulness forever. And so help us, we pray, to continue trusting in Jesus alone, that you might do these amazing things for us. And we ask that you would do it for Jesus' sake. Amen.